0: Thanks to Green Chef for supporting Future Hindsight. Green Chef's expert chefs design flavorful recipes for your lifestyle that go way beyond the ordinary. Go to greenchef.com hopeful100 and use code hopeful100 to get $100 off, including free shipping. Thank you also to The Jordan Harbinger Show, a podcast you should definitely check out since you're a fan of high-quality, fascinating shows. We're enjoying it, and we think you will as well. Search for The Jordan Harbinger Show, that's H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: We do a lot of things now to build progressive power in state legislatures, that's our mission and our goal. State legislatures are really where the rubber hits the road when it comes to the policy that actually impacts people's lives.
0: Welcome to Future Hindsight, a civic engagement podcast. I'm your host, Mila Atmos. Our guest is Lala Wu. She's co-founder and executive director of Sister District, an organization that works to elect Democrats to state legislatures. We talk about building progressive power at the state level, the various opportunities for winning in upcoming elections, and supporting candidates to win and then to serve effectively. We start our conversation with how Sister District was founded and why it aims to truly reshape our politics in the years to come.
1: It's really quite a modern founding story. In the wake of the 2016 election, you probably felt a lot of the same emotions that the co-founders of Sister District felt. Fear, rage, confusion. And one thing we really felt was helpless. You know, we were at that time, all five of us women, all new to politics. We were all living in the Bay Area and couldn't figure out how it was that we were living in this place that was so rich with passion and resources, yet we couldn't figure out what we could do to move the needle on the national level. I personally was really just looking for a way to deepen my civic engagement, make it a permanent part of the infrastructure of my life. And so the five of us who came together really coalesced around this idea that state legislatures are critically, critically important venues of power in building democratic ability to get what we want to get done, and unfortunately, really overlooked. And so we do a lot of things now to build progressive power in state legislatures. That's our mission and our goal. The thing that we're most well-known for and our original founding idea was this concept that we could organize volunteers' resources where they are and then connect them with where they're needed. For example, I live in San Francisco, and my team here last year in 2020 was supporting two state legislative races in Arizona and two races in Texas. My team raised money, made phone calls, wrote postcards. If they had the opportunity to, they would have gone and knocked on doors. So that's a little bit about what we do at Sister District. We are really here for the long haul and do everything we can to help get these great candidates elected to state legislatures, which are so critically important for our democracy.
0: So tell us why state level offices are so critical to our democracy. I think a lot of people don't know that.
1: State legislatures are really where the rubber hits the road when it comes to the policy that actually impacts people's lives. Of course, a lot of attention is given to what doesn't happen at the federal level. But that is not actually where the most impactful policy gets made. We can look at voting rights as an example. We are seeing HR 1S1, the For the People Act, struggle to make its way through Congress. And it is going to be a challenge for it to actually make its way to President Biden's desk. I, of course, support and really hope and think that we should do everything we can in terms of advocacy to move this and advance this important measure forward, which would set national voting rights standards, voting access, which would take measures to curb partisan gerrymandering. And it also does a number of of other things that would help a lot uh, to address these problems of access that a lot of voters are facing, but we may not see it pass. But what we do see is that at the state level, this is where there's a lot of activity and some of it is good and some of it is bad. Just look at the Georgia voting bill that passed recently. has been called Jim Crow 2.0 by Stacey Abrams, by President Biden, by many others who are decrying its impact on voters. It is really doing so much to restrict the ability of people to actually exercise this fundamental American right. Unfortunately, this is part of a wave of voting bills that have been introduced by Republicans in state legislatures. This is where this action is happening. There have been over 360 bills this year alone to reduce access to voting have been introduced by Republican legislatures. I think it's also important to point out that all of this is premised on the big lie that Trump didn't actually lose And that's just one example of how state legislatures are so critically important. They are able to advance their conservative agenda at this state level because of the majorities they have in these lesser known lower level bodies of our government that for too long, Democrats have not been paying enough attention to. We're trying to drive more attention to these state legislatures to win back power. And an amazing example of this is in Virginia. Virginia, when we started this organization, was not a blue state. Both chambers, the state house and the state senate, were red, And we were so proud in our first set of elections in 2017 to be part of a huge blue wave that brought in over a dozen new flips and a dozen new Democratic state legislators. And even though we came literally one vote, a single vote shy of ending the Republican majority in 2017 with that new found power, the Virginia legislature was able to expand Medicaid to over 400,000 Virginians. And then in 2019, we were again proud to be part of the coalition to win both the state House and the state Senate and turn the legislature, and when you count the governor as well, the whole state, into a democratic trifecta. And the amount that they have been able to accomplish with a democratic trifecta has just been extraordinary. Virginia has passed its own sweeping Voting Rights Act. It's abolished the death penalty. It has legalized recreational marijuana. It's made meaningful improvements to its criminal legal system. And just, it's done so much, so much more. So now that we know
0: that Virginia is the model for what you want to achieve, what one wants to achieve, I think, in all these state houses, how do you go about that? I mean, I know you support candidates, but how do you find the candidates? What do you do to groom them in their races and help them win?
1: Yes. So in terms of candidates, We undertake a rigorous quantitative and qualitative analysis to arrive at our list of endorsed candidates. So what we look for is we look for states where we can flip a chamber, hold a chamber, or make inroads into badly gerrymandered states. And once we see where the opportunities at that high level are, We're able to start drilling down into the districts and to look at the numbers and the historical voting records and better understand how certain districts are trending. Are they trending in our direction? Are they trending away from us? And then we also talk to people on the ground. So in addition to, of course, talking to the candidates and their staff, we also talk to the party entities that are important in thinking about priorities and distributing resources to get a sense of where are the best opportunities. We're looking at Sister District for close, winnable races, where our volunteers can make an actual impact. Last year, for example, over 80% of our fundraising went to candidates where the race was decided by single digit margins. And 88% of our phone banking went to those same races as well. As for how we support these candidates, the core of what we do is providing field and fundraising support to these candidates. And there have been studies that looked at and surveyed hundreds of state and local candidates from last cycle and asked them, what support are you receiving and what support do you really value? And many of them said, we get tons of endorsements, but we don't actually need that many more endorsements. We need people to help recruit volunteers for us. We need people to help introduce us to new donors. And those are just a couple of the things that Sister District does precisely. And what that looks like on a typical day for a volunteer, let's say, is that They may be planning for a fundraiser that is happening where the candidate will come and make an appearance by Zoom, and then 100% of the funds go straight to the campaign where it can be used immediately. And then the volunteer side, the best thing that folks can do is knock on doors because that kind of person-to-person, face-to-face interaction is, as we've all painfully learned during the pandemic, it's irreplaceable. Something you know is really missing when you're not doing that. However, in the absence of being able to, you know, go knock on doors, the second best thing is to make phone calls. And this is a really fun process that we have managed to perfect during the pandemic. Um, leverage Zoom to be a phone banking tool to reach lots and lots of voters on the phones and to share their experiences with fellow volunteers as well. Well,
0: let's talk about your award-winning research team. What is the work that your research team does that separates it from other research teams?
1: Our research team is incredible, and it is staffed by two brilliant PhDs who are extremely passionate about deploying their quantitative and qualitative skills to improve the progressive political space. So what we do is we look at voter and volunteer engagement tactics in particular. What we're really looking at is trying to understand what tactics are most effective at reaching and engaging voters and volunteers, keeping them in for the long term. And so for example, postcards and texting are two tactics that are really, really popular with volunteers, but there isn't a great understanding of how effective these tools are and what the most effective ways to use them are. And so our research team has received awards for helping to pioneer some of this research. And one thing I should say that we are also really proud of is that a lot of this type of research that does get done tends to exist behind a paywall. And so we are very proud that all of our research results are always freely available and published on our website.
0: Very cool. Before we continue our conversation with Lala Wu, I want to share that I'm really enjoying working with and cooking with Green Chef, the first USDA-certified organic meal kit company. Green Chef is owned by HelloFresh, and with a wide array of meal plans to choose from, there's something for everyone. I love switching between the brands, and now you can enjoy both brands at a discount. Go to greenchef.com hopeful100 and use code Hopeful 100 to get $100 off, including free shipping. Green Chef makes it easy to eat the immune-boosting foods you need to stay healthy and fuel a jam-packed end of summer. And my favorite part is that Green Chef's expert chefs design flavorful meals that go way beyond the ordinary, no matter what's on your menu. Last week, my son and I just cooked the sausage soup, which totally hit the spot on so many levels. It had the bigger quinoa, which I love, and kale and chicken sausage. It was super easy to make, which is always appreciated on busy evenings, and my family had a tasty, wholesome meal. Go to greenchef.com hopeful100 and use code HOPEFUL100 to get $100 off, including free shipping. Want a new podcast to look forward to each week? One that's entertaining, informative, and packed with actionable content? Come on, of course you do. The Jordan Harbinger Show covers a wide range of topics through weekly interviews with heavy-hitting guests. There's an episode for everyone, no matter what you're into. Recently, Jordan spoke to a best selling author about the evolutionary purpose of status, why it's always been important for human survival, and why you might choose a higher status title at work instead of a pay raise. Fascinating. The podcast covers a lot. But one constant is Jordan's ability to pull useful, practical insights from his guests, whether that's an actionable routine change that boosts your productivity or just a slight mindset tweak that changes how you see the world. You can't go wrong with adding The Jordan Harbinger Show to your rotation. It's incredibly interesting. There's never a dull show. Search for The Jordan Harbinger Show, that's H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. So another thing that you do is you develop legislators. What does that mean? Uh, Because when I read that, I thought, oh, are you developing a progressive version of ALEC? And if so, what is your strategy to develop these legislators to be effective in their state offices if and when they win?
1: Yes. So... Absolutely. That is the direction that we are going. There is a lot of work to do to develop a progressive version of ALEC. On the left, we don't yet have an equivalent. We saw a very specific gap in this infrastructure of legislator support that we wanted to fill. And this was an outgrowth of our alumni program. And we talked to many many of our alumni our candidates who have become legislators and what we heard from them over and over again was hey it's wonderful that there are some resources available to the generic democratic state legislator however it doesn't really feel like there are resources that are really for me trying to govern from a swing district, let's say in Michigan or in Pennsylvania, it's really a different set of considerations than somebody trying to govern from a majority, let's say in California or in Massachusetts. And so we identified this gap and we said, okay, we are in a unique position to help address this part of the pipeline. And we brought people together under this umbrella called Purple District Network. And we do hope that this network will grow and will uh, be a way for folks to have conversations, to strategize with each other, to cross-pollinate ideas, and to begin to build towards this counterpart to ALEC that we so desperately need on the left.
0: So in the work that you've done so far, what have you found to be most impactful, but maybe not obvious to an everyday person? Because I think most of us think, oh, all you have to do is win an election, but actually it doesn't
1: stop there. I'll, I'll answer this question in two ways. First, I actually have been amazed at how impactful this organization has been for ordinary people, for the volunteers, the folks who get involved in our organization because they're really looking for a way to make a difference. The number of times that somebody has said to me, I'm so grateful to be part of this organization because it's certainly cheaper than therapy, you know, or something along those <laughs> lines, really makes me feel really rewarded. The work that we're doing is not only helping to build a stronger democracy but also building community, building skills among ordinary people, many of whom were new to politics and are really now awoken to this world and all the the power that they have. In terms of the political side and what i found incredibly impactful, I think that the impact of Money is a bit boring, but can't be overstated. Money is incredibly, incredibly important. This is what powers the campaigns to be able to hire staff to run strong campaigns from the beginning, to get the support they need as legislators. They are being watched by pundits, by strategists, for how much money they raise. The good news is actually that we can make a huge impact here. The presidential race, the Senate races, congressional, all of that stuff, all of those races are millions and millions of dollars. And it's hard to see how your dollar can really make a huge impact. But in these small state legislative races that are often budgets, $40,000 budgets, $150,000. These are places where we can really make a huge difference. And I just feel so strongly that if you want your dollar to go further, it makes tons and tons of sense to be focusing on the state and local level. It just has this multiplier effect in terms of what you're able to accomplish with your dollar.
0: Yeah, so let's talk about that as an everyday, citizen, what are two things I could be doing to advance progressive candidates at the state and local level?
1: I'd be remiss to not say that you could support organizations like ours (laughs) that are working to fill these critical gaps every step of the way in the political life cycle to build progressive power in state legislatures and advance these candidates and their causes. But I will lump together in with that, supporting these candidates. I think that giving money to these candidates is a wonderful form of activism that is really, really meaningful. And as I said, goes a really, really long way. And the second thing is that you can volunteer your time to help get the word out about who these candidates are, to help increase name recognition and to identify potential supporters so that we've got really tight, solid lists of really good data to turn out every last person to to vote for these folks.
0: Excellent. So 2021 is an off year, but there are elections this year. So let's talk about your 2021-22 electoral priorities. What should we be looking for? Or what should we be watching?
1: Absolutely. All eyes are on Virginia in 2021. Virginia is a shining example of what we've been able to accomplish with democratic power. But none of this is permanent. This can all change. And the Republicans have certainly not given up on Virginia. They are coming back and they are targeting our incumbents. And they are looking for ways to take the majority back. And what this looks like in practice is it's going to be a lot of incumbents that we are supporting at Sister District. That's where a lot of the attention needs to go. Of course, challengers who will create blue flips are very exciting, but just as important, we also have to be really focused on keeping the gains that we've made, ensuring that these folks who now have experience governing and are even more valuable than they were before when they were running originally, we need to make sure that we are able to keep them there. As we look ahead to 2022, we are planning for a very busy midterm cycle and we have cast a wide net as we think about where our focus should be. We are of course needing to wait for redistricting to play out because that's going to determine what the actual competitiveness of some of these districts is going to look like. But for now, we've cast a really wide net. We're looking at Arizona, Colorado, Florida, Georgia, Michigan, New Hampshire, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, Texas, Wisconsin, they fit into this political strategy we have of building a portfolio of states where we can flip a chamber, hold a chamber, or make inroads into badly gerrymandered states. In particular, we're prioritizing states with redistricting commissions where we expect that the new maps will be fair for Democrats. We're also looking for nested opportunities and prioritizing states that have competitive Senate, House and gubernatorial elections, because we know and there is growing research that begins to show that If we turn out folks down ballot, they are going to vote all the way up the ballot. And that has an important up ballot impact.
0: So um, can you explain what nested means?
1: When I say nested opportunities, what we mean is we are looking for states where there are overlapping and multiple opportunities. So, for example, in Arizona, we've got two state legislative opportunities in the state Senate. We need to flip two seats there. We also need to flip two seats in the House. We also have an open governor's election because the republican governor is term limited typically open seats are much more competitive than seats that have an incumbent in them and so this creates an opportunity for a lot of energy around the governor's race in arizona that we think that we can build upon and be part of in looking at arizona as a uh, potential state for 2022
0: Excellent. Thanks for explaining that. I have a question about redistricting. What do you expect to happen there? Because I think a lot of people are panicking. Yes.
1: I won't say that it's all going to be fine because it is almost certainly going to have some very hard outcomes for Democrats. Democrats, unfortunately, were not able to flip any of the chambers they were hoping to flip in order to gain more power for redistricting this time around. And that means that the Republicans still have control in many of the places where they are going to be drawing district lines in a way that will favor their political party. And so Republicans are likely to continue to look for opportunities to gerrymander because the truth of the matter is they will have the power to do so in a lot of these states. So it's up to folks in all of the states that we live in to see if there's a way to get involved in the redistricting process, to see if there is a public comment opportunity, if there are ways to be part of the conversation. There is some good news, which is that Democrats, while they fell short of this goalpost, they are in a stronger position than they were in 2011. And that's because Democrats, for example, now control at least one branch of government in five of the 20 states that were under complete Republican control in 2011. So of these, for example, Kansas, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin give their now Democratic governors veto powers over the maps. And that's absolutely huge. In Maine, which used to be a Republican trifecta 10 years ago is now a Democratic trifecta. And in Michigan, that used to be a Republican trifecta that still has a Republican state legislature, unfortunately, but has a Democratic governor, it has established an independent redistricting commission that was passed by the vote of the people in 2018. And so these independent and bipartisan redistricting commissions that we're also seeing in states like Colorado and Virginia. These are changes that have happened in the past 10 years that are really good for Putting us in a stronger position for redistricting. So I won't sugarcoat it and say that everything is fine, but there are some wins that we can look to. And by becoming involved in your state's redistricting process, you may be able to assert your voice as well and to help make this map drawing process a little fair.
0: Nice. Thank you for uh, giving us the unvarnished truth, the good news and the bad news. So here's my last question. Looking into the future, what makes you hopeful?
1: Everybody we work with at Sister District makes me hopeful. It is so incredible to me to witness the work and the passion of all of these ordinary people and the candidates are ordinary people as well, stepping up to take action to improve our democracy. And this means that it is young people. It's people who are retired, who have never been involved in politics. It's working moms who said, I can't take this anymore. I need to be part of the solution by running for office and taking that step i am just so so inspired by the sheer number of people and the immense passion that they bring to making this country a better place i'm extroverted and so i get my energy from other people already but this job is really an amazing one for me because i get to have so much interaction and get to know so many incredible folks and get exposure to the amazing work that so many people are doing. And that gives me a lot of hope for the future.
0: That's excellent. Thank you very much for being on Future Hindsight and thank you for all the work you do at Sister District and beyond.
1: Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here.
0: This week was another challenging one for democracy in the United States. The conservative majority in the state of Texas just passed Senate Bill 1, a voting suppression bill that includes additional restrictions on voting by mail, a ban on drive through voting, and the empowerment of partisan poll watchers. Over the past several episodes, we've hammered home that state and local elections matter more than we think, and it's perhaps most hard-hitting when it comes to voting rights. The bad news is that it's happening, but the good news is that you really can make a difference here. I'm so heartened by the grassroots efforts of sister district and state races to make our democracy work better for all of us. And I hope that you'll pay close attention to the next state-level election wherever you live. Be sure to cast your ballot for the candidate who will expand access to voting, and better yet, volunteer for that campaign. Next week, our guest is Christina Sinsun Ramirez. She's the executive director of NextGen America, where she's focused on building democracy up, one young voter at a time. We talk about harnessing the political power of young people and her deep career in organizing.
1: At this juncture where we face so much pain and division and also looking at continued and potential pain around climate change and income inequality, that we have this ability to invest in a greater, better, more equitable future where everyone can see their common interests and actually be a true democracy that is for all people.
0: Until next time, stay engaged. I'm Mila Atmos. Thanks for listening. Our executive producer
1: is Mila Atmos. The audio producer is Peter Fedak and our associate producers are Miriam Zumbul and Zach Travis. Listen to us every week on Apple Podcasts, FutureHindsight.com, or wherever you enjoy podcasts. This podcast is part of the Democracy Group.